want apple juice. Lucas wants apple juice. I know, I heard him can say I that. Can I have apple juice? Yeah, you can have apple juice. Can I have soda? Yes, you can have soda. Can I press that button? No, you can't press that button. Why? Because that's going to play the theme song. I'm not ready to start Click. the pot. Dad, it is Friday. It is the last day of April. It is 2021, and I'm welcoming you guys back to another edition of High Pod. I'm Dad. It is the podcast based on the blog, based on my life, based on, I don't know, a little piece of all of us, I guess you could say. I'm having one of those days, man, trying to get myself going. I'm positive, but at the same time, I'm dragging. It's up and down, up and down. My kid was up. Lucas was up at like 4.30 in the morning, having, I swear on my life, a mosh pit party. There's no no other way to describe it. It was 4.30 in the morning. And this little boy, who I miss tremendously, both of my kids, I miss them so much when they're not here, when they're, when they're at their mother's house for half the week. I'm like, oh, where's my kids? And then they're here for like two days. And he is like, I'm going to make it a little bit easier for you by driving you crazy. And he does. Um, so all of his cuteness and all of his wonderful things and the, the overflowing amount of pictures that I have on my phone are all balanced out by this kid who literally is screaming screams of joy and slamming his closet door open and shut at 4.30 in the morning. And it's hard to get mad at him because he's so happy. So you go, you're like, what are you doing? And he's like, ah, and he like smiles at you and he grabs my hands and he hops around. I don't know, man. It's the plight of the, the nonverbal parent of... Uh, you know, you can't really get mad. You want to get mad. Every party is like, get mad. And then you go in and if it was another kid, right? If it was like his sister maybe screaming and yelling in her room and you walk in, the first thought is like, they look at you like, uh-oh, I'm in trouble. He doesn't. He looks at it like, are you here to party too? And I'm like, I guess I'm here to party too. So it's a good mood, but at the same time, it's an exhausted mood. And that's where I'm kind of at today. But overall, it's been, it's been a good week, man. It's been a good... Honestly, it's been a good life. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I think so often we we focus on the negatives of all the negative things that we have going on in our lives. And all of us have negative stuff. All of us have negative stuff. We may have positive things. You know, we have positives as well. But for some reason, it's the negative that sticks with us. It stays in your head. It's the stuff that you never forget about. If you go to, a, you know, a restaurant and the waiter's nice, you kind of brush past it and you just talk about the food later. But if you go to a restaurant and the waiter like throws a glass at your face, you remember that story and you tell it at Thanksgiving for the rest of your life. That becomes your, you remember when that guy threw the, the glass at your face? Yeah, why are you going bring that up? I don't know, it just popped in my head. Those things stay with you. So the negative aspects of our life stay with us. I've had negatives in my life. I've written about them. I've talked about them. I've, I've really bared my soul for these blogs. And there's been a lot of negatives that have happened throughout time. There's been a lot of things from when I was a kid all the way to now when I'm not a kid, <laughs> a little bit older now, but I've had them, man. I've, I've struggled and I've dealt with things. And I think one of the problems that we run into with the negatives in our lives is that we tend to think that nobody else has those negatives. And not only do we think that, but we resent that, you know, like if you're going through something and you go on, 
Facebook or whatever, and somebody's like, I want to wish my my spouse a happy birthday. And there's all these pictures of them, and they're hugging and kissing, and you're sitting there with a bag of Cheetos pissed off. That's uh, And you start thinking, like, this is what everybody else is like, and I'm mad, you know? You forget that we all have it. You know, we all have that issue. And you start to resent. You resent the world. You resent people around you. You resent a lot of things that are going on in your life. And it tends to magnify the issues that you have as well. So now you're you're feeling bad. You're feeling down. You're remembering all the bad things. And now you're feeling like you're the only one who has it. You know, if you're going through problems, I know a lot of people as kids had issues. And I've talked before about some of the issues that I've had as a kid without going into specifics. But that's something that when you're a child and you're dealing with a pretty rough situation behind closed doors you go out and you start being around other families you start to see other kids and you resent not only the fact that they have these ideal lives even though you don't fully believe it and that's something i don't know if that's common for a lot of people in those situations but if you come from a home where there's abuse or there's anger or there's like chaos you tend sometimes to think that everybody's got that and that all the people who pretend otherwise are, are simply pretending. Everyone's kind of got some issues at home. It's just me. I'm, I'm overreacting, right? But if you are one of the lucky few who realize that you're not overreacting, who realize that what you're going through in your home is crazy and not normal and not needed and not what everybody's going through, if you accept that fact, you start to have resentment. And the reason why you have resentment is there is nothing more annoying than a kid who's being like locked in his room for days on end to come out of the room and see another kid at Toys R Us whining, get me that. You're just like, I want to kill that kid. you know. And that becomes this thought process of nobody understands, everybody's entitled, everybody's lucky. And that's something that's happened, you know, that happens with whether you have a child who has special needs I have a child with special needs and I know other parents who have children with special needs. And the thought process is that other people in our position are kind of lucky and they are kind of lucky. Let's be frank here. You know, special needs requires attention. And who are the people who give the attention? It's the parents. The parents are also the ones who have a lot of the guilt that goes with raising a child with special needs, bringing them into the world, worry that they're not going to be able to do it. I mean, trust me, I have to go to meetings for my son, these these CSC meetings to talk about his schooling and go over paperwork and, and regulations and things like that. And I feel like an idiot. As the years go by, I'm starting to become more, I don't know, I don't want to say, you know, adapting to what, what they're giving to me to learn, but I'm starting to feel more like I'm good at faking it for them, where they're like, he knows what he's talking about. And I'm like, I don't even know what I'm talking about. So it's a very tricky thing to walk. I think every day, and I wrote about the imposter syndrome and things like that, we all feel like we're kind of faking it a little bit. And it's scary when you have a kid who's really relying on you and you feel like you're faking it a little bit. But I feel that. So I look at a parent who doesn't have to do that. A parent who, and keep in mind, I have a daughter who doesn't have autism, a daughter who is verbal. So I know the challenges that do go into regular parenting as well. And I'm, don't say regular parenting, you know what I'm talking about, non-special needs parenting. Um, but the challenges that do go into that as well exist. But for a parent to a child with special needs or one who only has a child with special needs, you see other parents in that position going on Facebook, you know, posting their memes to the mom who's too tired to do laundry. I see you. I see you, mama. I see you drinking the wine. Like, okay, I got it. I got it. It's a beautiful picture. It's like a, it's a teddy bear missing an arm laying on the laundry room floor. 
I get it. You know, Matilda, you you perfectly explained your point. But at the same time, it's this like tear jerking thing to a parent who now is dealing with like these insurmountable problems. They start to resent that. So people resent those things. So now once you start resenting those things, what happens? It starts to change you as a human being. It does. And for a lot of parents, it changes them forever. And I've known people who have had their lives altered by a challenge, who are never the same again. They become new people. They become different people. They become sad or angry all the time. And they can never let that go. And for me, I've never wanted that to happen. I never wanted that to happen for a number of reasons. And some of them seem impractical. And I've told people this before where I like the way I view the world. I like the way I see things. But I also feel like sometimes my approach to things is not the most practical way to go about it. And I think a lot of people, when I try to talk about it, it sounds like something that's almost like, I don't know, what's how? How do you do that? For me, it came down to one simple thing. I don't know what happens when I die. I have no idea. We could talk about it. You can tell me. You can give me books, pamphlets, sing me songs. Okay, cool. Got it. That's stuff to think about. But unless you could really like show me photographs, like, no, this is where you go when you die. Look, here's a brochure. This is the, the pictures of the room that you're going to stay in. I'd be like, oh, I'm staying there. That's cool. They don't do that. They tell you like, well, you just got to believe. And all right, got it. But the only thing we know 100% for sure, tangible, touch it, smell it, taste it, eat it right in front of you is now. We have now. We have the earth. We have our lives that we have in this moment. And one day, we're not going to have this life anymore. So while you're here, I think the secret is to enjoy every moment that you can. Not every possible moment. There's obviously going to be times you're like, oh, yeah, like struggling to get my son's shoes on in the morning. That's not fun. I hate that. You know, and I'm not, I'm not a happy dude. I'm not like, yeah, let's, let's fight to get these shoes on. Let me use my fingers as a shoehorn so you can squish my knuckles and not even do it right, and we're still kind of stuck, and then it falls off your feet anyway, like all that stuff I go through. That's part of my life, and that's something that you just kind of blow past. But for the most part, I want to be excited. I want to be happy. I want to surround myself with people who make me feel good, people who care about me, and people who understand me. And that's, I think everyone should be everyone's goal. So I've always tried to do that. But some people don't. Some people see it as, well, I now have this challenge. I now have this problem. And now I have an excuse to kind of be miserable. Who is going to fault me for this? And that is something that I thought about when I was younger. And it's something that I've been thinking a lot about and talking a lot about, you know, at least trying to get things going moving forward in in my own life, my own career, and, and some ideas for maybe some speaking events and things like that. But there was definitely a time where I considered the ability to be miserable is almost a commodity. Like, oh, this is cool. I now have an excuse to just be like, hmm, that sucks, man. You don't want to do that. It didn't make me feel better. Nobody cared either. It wasn't like nobody ever came up to me and was like, you know, you have a right to be upset. No, it makes sense that you're such a miserable. No one cares. They don't. The only person that it really hurt was me. It allowed me to kind of be isolated and, and keep people away. And I didn't want to do that anymore. So I didn't do that anymore. On top of the, the struggle with the things we go through in our lives and the negative emotions, the people who will really change you are the people who treat you poorly. And there are people in my life who have treated me poorly. I've gone through this, I don't know, since I popped out of, you know, the, uh, what's the, uh, the before life. 
not the afterlife, wherever you come from before. Ever since then, I've been dealing with people who sometimes try to knock you down a few pegs for whatever reason. And it's hard because my natural instinct is to work with people. I want to have positive relationships. I want to understand where you're coming from. If you have a point of view that differs from mine, I want to know why. I want to know where you come from, what your ideas are, why you think the things you do. And I want to tell you my ideas, where I come from, why I think the things I do. And then the two of us can work together to understand each other. That's always been my goal. Some people are miserable people, terrible people, people you have to deal with on a regular basis, whether it's in your personal life, whether it's work, whether it's a boss or a spouse, anything. There are some people in the world who are just angry, miserable people. And the idea is, well, I could just be miserable back to this person, you know, so I'm going to be like a jerk to them. They're going to be a jerk to me. And I'm talking about people you have to deal with, not people that you could just like wish away into the cornfield, people that you have to interact with, people who you have to see on a certain basis. And those people might not treat you great. But for me, and it's always been my thing, my instinct is to treat people well. I want to. I don't want to not. I don't want to walk into an interaction with somebody angry or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, unless there's a real reason. And there, there's people on my list of like, get away from me kind of a list. But if I have to deal with somebody, I just I want it to be a positive experience. I don't want to spend my day thinking, oh my God, I got to go see this person today. And I hate this person. I'm just going to walk up and just be like, what's up, stupid? Like, I, I don't do that. Because what's the point? Then I got to see you again next week. You remember I called you stupid. We go through that. So I'm nice, man. I'm positive. I'm good to people. And sometimes those people are still jerks to me which kind of fills me with a little bit of rage inside because I always see it like I'm trying my best to be good to you. So if you're going to not be good to me, that's on you. That's not my problem. But I'll have people turn to me and you guys have it too if you've ever dealt with that. People go, why do you bother? Why do you try? Why do you even try talking to him? Why don't you just be like, get the hell out of here and give him the finger? And it's like, because I'm not like that. Well, that's your problem, man. You got to like just let it go. Just let them go. Like, uh, why? Why? I got to be a jerk? For what reason? Well, because they're a jerk to you. Okay, so what do I win? Like, what do I win? For real, what do I win? Do I win anything by doing that? Do I get anything out of doing that? No. You don't get anything out of it. All you end up with is just, I don't know, more anger. More hurt feelings. And, and look, make no mistake, that festers inside of you. I know this because I let it fester inside of me for years. The anger and the animosity and the nobody understands me and nobody gets me and I'm brooding and I'm wearing a, you know, a, a flannel shirt wrapped around my waist and my Kurt Cobain t-shirt. Like I get it. I lived it. I grunged. I did, I did it, man. If you guys saw pictures of me, you know, 20 years ago, you'd be like, what the hell is that? It was totally... Yeah, I was angry. I spent a lot of time in my life angry. And it was awful. And it ate me up inside. Not only did it eat me up inside, but it kept me from reaching my full potential. It kept me from doing this blog. I never would have done a blog or a podcast like this if I still had that mentality. And I stopped having that mentality after I had my heart surgery. When I started to see the world, I mean, a little bit before then too, I don't want to always put 100% on the heart surgery because I had started to mature as I grew up. But especially in 2012, when I went through my heart surgery, I began to see the world as something that was not permanent. My world is precarious. My world could be gone tomorrow. I accepted that. I understood that. I knew that. And once I accepted that, 
It changed how I interacted with the world. And now when somebody comes over and they try to bring my day down, all right, that's good, good try. Keep going. But I don't let them, you know. Sometimes they do. And you can't beat yourself up about that either. People turn around, he lives rent-free in your head. What? Rent-free, you're letting him live rent-free in your head when you do that. As a as opposed to what, paying me rent? What the hell does that even mean? Rent free in my head. I hate that phrase. I hate it because it's not your fault if somebody does something to bother you. If somebody does something cruel or mean to you and it hurts you and it bugs you, let it bug you. You're allowed. You're allowed to let it bug you. You know what that is a sign of? That's a sign of the fact that you're not like that. The people who don't let it bother them are people who may have done that to other people. Because don't we all do that? If you do something really crappy to someone and then someone else does that crappy thing to you, you tend to not care about it because you don't want to think about the fact that you did it to somebody else, you know? Somebody calls you a name, but you just called somebody a name an hour ago, it doesn't bother you because you're like, well, if I have to feel hurt by this person, it's going to make me rethink what I did earlier. I don't call anybody names. So when someone calls me a name, I'm like, oh, that hurt, you know? And I'll let it kind of hit me a little bit and I move on. You're allowed to let that happen. But don't let it change you and don't become a different person because of it. Move forward, be proud, and do the things you have to do. Just let yourself be yourself. Don't let anybody talk you out of it. Don't let anybody make you question anything positive that you do. Our whole goal should always be to be as positive and good to each other as possible. And if somebody is not that way to you, that's on them. It's not on you. You don't have to change your personality to meet theirs. And you don't have to allow them to make you into a negative person. Be you. Do you. Continue on. Put a smile on your face. You don't have many days you have left. So enjoy the ones you have. All right. Let's talk about the, the blog this week. I had, I had two good ones that I was proud of, I think, for, uh, for this week. And, the, and both of them were about my son this week. I know it's Autism Appreciation Month. Autism, I call it Autism Appreciation. Autism Awareness Month. Autism, you know, Autism Month. Autism Acceptance Month. So last week, I did not do any about autism. This week, I did two. On Monday, I wrote an article which seemed to resonate with a lot of people that came and visited the site. It was grieving the life I expected from my nonverbal son. And it's a topic that I don't normally talk about, something that I know a lot of parents sometimes get a little embarrassed to talk about. You either see people who can't stop talking about it or people who never talk about it. And the idea is the fact that before your child is born, you have an idea of who they're going to be for any child. But when you have a child who's you know, nonverbal or special needs, you seriously have to alter what you think. And with my son, you know, I had to accept the fact that he might not speak. He's 10 and he's never said a word. So he might never talk. I had to accept the fact that he might never play baseball. He might never get married. He might never drive a car. All these nevers were all possibilities that I had to accept. And I wrote about accepting that, about understanding that, about learning about it. And how hard that is. And one of the reasons I write this blog is to allow others who are in that position now to have some sort of peace of mind and to know that it gets better. Your thinking changes. My thinking changed. As I got to know him, I feel like my thinking has changed. But also to not feel alone while going through those dark moments. I went through some dark moments with my son when he was diagnosed. I remember doing nothing but playing, you know, Call of Duty on the Xbox for, I don't even know how long it was. 
I say a week, it, it feels like maybe it was a week in my head, but it might have been longer than that. Whereas that's all I did all day, just play video games, stared at what am I going to do? What am I going to do? There's a whole story behind all of that stuff. But once I grieved that, once I got past that, once I said, okay, look, here's the facts. There is no maybe tomorrow. There's no, well, like even now, like if I didn't do that, I'd be like, well, some kids talk at 11. You know, it's sometimes you just got to let it go. I'd be like, look, if it happens, great. If tomorrow he walks in and he's like, yo, where's my apple juice? I'll be like, oh, stop, you talk. But if he doesn't, I have to be okay with it. And I am okay with it. And part of that is allowing yourself to feel the pain that comes with knowing that a life that you may have imagined before they were born might never happen. So that's what that article was about. Give it a read. If you are struggling with that, please, if you know somebody you're struggling with that, send it over to them. Share all of these blogs that you want. We've been doing like two a week I've been writing since February of 2017. So that makes it about a billion. So feel free to share whatever you need to share and let anybody know. It means a lot to me when you guys do that. So thank you. On Wednesday, we're about autism inclusion, which sometimes gets lost when people are like autism awareness, autism acceptance, you know, and then you're fighting with people about it and about one random word. What about autism inclusion, which I guess has a real meaning, but for me and my daughter and our family here, Autism inclusion involves having Lucas around us even when he's not doing our thing and we're not doing his thing. We're not trying to change him. We're not trying to get him to watch you know, reruns of Lost on Hulu. He'll never watch it anyway. He's not trying to get us to watch Rafi on his iPad, yet we're sitting there watching Lost on Hulu on the TV and he's sitting in the room with us watching Rafi on his iPad. And maybe he gets up, maybe he yells, maybe he screams. Actually, scratch that. There's no maybe. He screams, he yells, he has the mosh pit parties all day long, and he does it while we watch TV. And we allow him to stay with us, and we don't try to like, hey, do you want to go upstairs, buddy? Or like, you know, take his iPad away, or hey, shush, be quiet, don't use that voice. We just let him do it, because we want him around. And I wrote in the blog post that I forgot one time, before I really knew that that's what Olivia wanted too, my daughter, I remember I said to her, I said, He's being kind of loud. You want me to send him upstairs? And she goes, no, no. And she gets up and she goes, Lucas. And she runs over and grabs him. And I'm like, now she's gone. And they're hopping around together laughing. And I'm like, okay, it's cool. That's <laughs> all right. But that's what it is, man. Just to have him there, it, it's good. And that's what autism inclusion is, at least in our house, where it doesn't have to be some sort of like bringing him to us and us going to him. Sometimes it's just about... I don't know, being there as a family and being near each other and being there for each other. And that's what we do with him. And it feels good. It's a good feeling to, to know that he likes to be with us. And for him, I guess, to know that we want him around. And we absolutely do want him around. He's a fantastic kid and I'm lucky to have him. And by having a kid who is so good, it does definitely help ease that resentment that I talked about earlier, that idea that everybody else has it so lucky because I watch these other families and sometimes they have a kid who has no challenges, no special needs, and they don't sit together and watch TV. They don't enjoy each other's company the way we do. They don't have the kind of mornings that I have with Lucas where I go into his room to get him and he's so happy to see me. They deal with what they deal with. And I'm starting to realize as I get older that sometimes the people who resent things are the ones who have it the luckiest. And although my son is going to have challenges, as though, although I worry about him a lot of the time, I'm a lot luckier than I ever believed I was early on. And for that, I'm grateful. And hopefully you guys are too. So don't let anybody change you and don't let anything affect how you view the world. You view it the way you want to view it and you be you. And don't let anybody tell you otherwise. 
And that does it for me. Until next time, guys, this is James Gutman saying be well. Bye, pop. I'm dead.